It is the rush on the ref. We are the homo sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. Well, one of the biggest things going on out there right now, uh, Carolina Panthers have traded Man. Christian McCaffrey to the San Francisco 49ers, and um, he's wearing number 23 out there in San Fran. Uh Cleared McCaffrey off the cap there for Carolina. He's got some big numbers coming up. So uh, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I knew that they had been uh, shopping around, but uh, I thought that was interesting that they went ahead and made that move, got him out to yeah. San Francisco, which probably going to be a really good place for him. Oh, yeah, he will. It will. Um, couldn't get a first-rounder for him, but there's going to be a lot of really good running backs out in the open market this winter. You're going to have some good running backs in the draft coming up. And, you know, they, they got a really nice hole for Christian McCaffrey, but maybe not that first-round pick. Um, man, you, you just see so many teams now compared to the past just go all out, man. Saw the Rams do it last year, and the Rams were right there with the Niners trying to get Christian McCaffrey. But it's almost like the Niners have been taking the, the same aggressive playbook that the Rams have been trying to do. Just let's let's try and win now and – We'll worry about later when later's actually here. Yep. Um, Brian Kelly says instant replay is ruining college football. What say you? Do you agree? Just takes too long? I don't think it's ruined college football, but when there's excessive reviews and it totally kills the flow of the game, I don't think it helps out much. I, I think it's a I think it's a pretty big stretch to say that it's killed college football. I can name you several yeah. other things that have contributed to, you know, the, right. the downfall of the sport more than instant replay. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a uh, I think that's a pretty big stretch to say it's ruined it. I mean, I think college football's at you know one of its strongest points right now. Are there things about replay that i think suck yes absolutely a lot of times i think it's clear and obvious and the decision can be made instantaneously and they sit there and stare at it forever and like just tell the official on the field hey we looked at it he stepped out it's clear as day mark it out at the 23 it's first down and they just go do it Uh, he he shouldn't have to come over put a headset on Bring out the stupid little TV to look at it. Like, if it's clear and obvious, just make the call, yep. right? Yeah. Instead of going through all of the the uh, necessary things there that they got to do right now to check the box. Um, uh, I don't know. Some of it's dumb, but it has not ruined college football. Um, and I just thought I'd mention this. We don't have to talk about it much. But there's another athlete advocacy group that is um, filing a complaint with the Department of Justice against the NCAA. NCAA sports is a predatory economic cartel that denies college athletes the freedom to use their gifts and talents to earn money without restrictions, a freedom afforded to other Americans. So I like the idea of calling the NCAA the cartel. I can get behind that. That sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. I uh, kind of uh, kind of agree with that. That's all I got. All right, I got a couple here. First off, uh, you'll love this. I feel like uh, you love Marshawn Lynch when you were teammates, right? Is that accurate? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this is from. Maybe it's from that show Peyton's Places or whatever. But here's a clip of Peyton Manning asking Marshawn Lynch what his uh, what his pregame superstition was while in the NFL. This <laughs> classic Marshawn Lynch just had a bottle of Hennessy in his backpack, took a shot, a shot and a half before every game. I love that. Yeah, yeah take the edge off, right? So you can go out there and relax a little bit and uh, throw caution to the wind whenever you need to. Yeah, I love I love that Peyton Manning's there because I don't know if you could find two players in the NFL the past 15 years, maybe even longer than that. Like just their kind of thought process on how to, how to go about a game couldn't be more different, right? Marshawn just kind of 
lose, like have a drink or two before the game. Peyton Manning, I couldn't imagine him trying to drink before a game because he's oh, so spazzed yeah. out. I can't imagine anyone drinking before a game. Especially at running back. God, Lee. Especially Hennessy. <laughs> right? Man. If you wanted me to hand select what I would like to uh, take a shot of least before I go uh, undertake some three-and-a-half-hour uh, athletic endeavor, I would probably select Hennessy. Just makes Marshawn Lynch even more of a legend. And today is the anniversary of the game at Cal where they won. Oh, and he yeah. drove around like the, uh, the little medical cart thing on the field and almost ran That's over so about funny. ten people. Yeah. Um, last one I have is the, the big story in the NFL from last night. Not a good look by Kyler last night telling his uh, yeah. head coach to calm the blank down in front of everyone. Yeah. What do you think, man, Or is is the pressure, is, is not playing well, is everything getting to – um, everything getting to Kyler a little bit? Well, I think it's getting to both those guys because Cliff was asked about it this week. Like, do you think you do you feel like you're coaching for your job this next upcoming game? And he had like the, you know, the answer that you expect. Well, we all in this league are coaching, uh, you know, coaching for our jobs every single right. game, whatever. So I think he feels the pressure. I think Kyler feels the pressure of all that, and that's that's probably a leading cause of why that happened last night. But you got to know the camera's on you at all times. It was not not the best look by Kyler. Shouldn't have happened. Right. Yep. uh, Good job by um, uh, Hopkins getting in there and settling everything down a little bit. Just, hey, it's okay. We're good. We're good, fellas. It just doesn't help the narrative. Of what everyone thinks Kyler Murray is, and I, I'm I'm sure that that's it's probably for the most part pretty accurate of kind of how he behaves, but it, it it didn't help last night at all. Uh, by the way, good point. Text line: You can't call the NCAA the cartel. The cartel actually enforces rules. <laughs> Very fair. Yeah, accurate. That that is true. Boy, do they ever. Uh, yeah, that's good. All right, you got any more? Uh, no, let me read one more text. No knock on CMC. His durability is an issue. Will he ever play a full season? Love the show, fellas. Thank you from the Boomer cast. Yeah. Yeah, McCaffrey's he's gone through uh, a bunch of injury stuff. It's been hard for him to stay on the field. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. You know, now that he's with a team that's got some other commodities, you know, part of the problem is – he was the workhorse. Like he, he had to have the ball in his hands on every single play for Carolina to have any success over the first however many years of his career. So hopefully he can move into a role that, you know, not that he's going to be a secondary player, but to where everything's not necessarily on him. So I don't know. We'll see. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up our number two next. Citro, Oklahoma, Buick, GMC dealer, bringing you this hour of The Rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. It is a football Friday, and the weekend got started a little bit early, even on a bye week, because Jackson Arnold was fantastic last night. 25 of 28, 334 passing yards with four touchdowns, and then he added one on the ground as well with over 75 yards rushing. Uh, Jackson Arnold. More touchdown passes than incompletions last night. He was great. But you're a uh, pretty big Tassili Akana fan. He is a top 100 player. Yeah. Number one player in the state of Utah. uh, Four-star edge player. He's going to be at Texas A&M November 5th for that game that they have against Florida. Then we might start to see the timeline move up closer towards a decision. But this is Brent Venable's guy. And what I've heard, man, is like once Brent Venable's like – Pick which guys in a recruiting class he's going to take over the recruiting for, you know, or be in on that guy. He normally gets his guy. And to see Lee Akana, that should make you feel a little bit better about that situation. Right. Yeah. Um, I think he's got a chance to be legit. Now, he's uh, he's super tall, lean, but I think, you know, he's got a, he's got a frame that I think is really going to feel out. But, yeah, I 
He's going to Texas A&M. Doesn't it feel like, don't most people feel like it's between OU and Texas, though? Uh, OU, Texas is definitely a dark horse there. Um, Oregon's in it. And then Tennessee's trying to get him on campus. I think Alabama is, too. So, yeah. Tennessee's Everyone's interesting, still. man, because they've got – this is the most momentum they've had in their program since at least – I mean, probably 1998, right? And yeah. uh, rec- momentum on the field. They, they just got a lot of momentum right now. I'm interested to see how Tennessee closes out this year and what that does for them in recruiting because they're, they're on one right now. He's, uh, he's listed as a 100% Oklahoma. Uh, on the crystal ball. Yeah, yeah. I think is Parker the only one that has a crystal ball in for him right now? Is it just one? I think that's right. Uh, As of two days ago, know. that was the case. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. But it, it, well, it, is it says like when you scroll by his name, it says Oklahoma one hundred percent. Yeah. Did it say? Does it say one prediction like right underneath that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think Parker's the only one. But there is a thought, definitely around here, that OU's the leader on that one. Pretty strong thought, actually. Especially after coming. So, in like, weekend. like if if none of the other like schools have like thought that he's going there, it'll just go to one hundred percent to Oklahoma. Yeah, like there's only, just one crystal ball. Yeah, one hundred percent of the crystal ball predictions are towards OU. Yes. Parker Thune with fifty-seven out of 95 percent accuracy. Yeah, I told um, him he was like Hollis Price at the free throw line with his crystal ball it's, predictions. It's pretty impressive. Now. He had Hicks wrong, right? Yeah. Didn't he have a crystal ball in on that? I mean, he, come on. He had that one wrong. Wilt Fong, their big recruiting guy there, had that one wrong. That that burned. That burned a few people. How many, like, let's just like, the, the word started to get out about Hicks within, like, I don't know, a half hour or so, maybe a little bit longer before his, uh, his announcement. Like, do those guys rush in there and try and change their prediction? I feel like even after the selection was made, Wilt Fong, like, changed his to a- – he did something weird. Like, it was after the decision was made, and he changed it to A&M. And then I, I, what a loser. I, Are you serious? It was something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Keep that old percentage high, huh? Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. God, you should get – I mean, as many message boards and stuff like that that are out there, and I don't know the guy. I'm sure he's a great guy, but you don't know that. You got to get you got to get drug for something like that, don't you? Oh, I think you did. I don't think you have to worry about that happening. I think it was oh, pretty good. bad. Good, that's good. All right, quick timeout. We got the final hour coming up next here from Riverwind Casino. Stay with us. There you go, uh, Mike Gundy. A lot of truth to what he's saying, although his numbers are wrong. Um, a three or four loss team is already basically an eight win team. <laughs> I thought the know? same thing. And they got a, <laughs> and they got a good coach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. Belichick, uh, he's probably the greatest of all time. But sure, I guess we could call him a good a good coach. Yeah. Well, there there's definitely some of that going on. Which you know, I will say this. Right now, I love the talk of the 12-team playoff because right now, even though Oklahoma's not in it, I would love the 12-team playoff. You know what I'm saying? And I think that there's more teams right now that have a legitimate shot at making the college football four-team playoff than – we've had in quite some time typically by this point in the season we're we've we've thinned the herd quite a bit and we're down to well you know alabama or ohio state are going to win it all and it's going to be them and georgia and you know clemson that are in it like right now i think michigan's got a shot obviously i think tennessee's got a shot i think uh and i know michigan was in it last year yeah um, I think Ole Miss is going to fade, but I think TCU UCLA has maybe. a shot. I think UCLA has a shot. I mean, there's a lot of really good teams out there. So I do think that, you know, the, the transfer stuff is uh, is critical. Now, 
some teams I think it's it's hurt a little bit. You know, I, it's hard to hard to even think back to all the teams that have had guys leave. Like Oklahoma, we got hit with the the transfer portal at quarterback and stuff like that. And I mean, you can hand select some teams out there that have been hurt by it in the short term, but. I think Oklahoma will end up winning long-term from the transfer yeah, portal. And we really already have, but we're kind of talking about the new transfer portal where anyone can transfer and be eligible immediately. And I don't know if this is like NIL reasons or transfer portal reasons or if it's just because Bama's the most penalized team in college football right now. But for the first time in a long time, it feels like there's not a clear-cut – one team, two teams that are playing for the national championship. Now, look, there, there's yeah. still a there's a tier that exists right now that's Ohio State, that's Georgia, and maybe still Alabama. And, and I'm sure that the national championship game is probably going to be a combination of two of those three teams that I just listed. But you can't say definitively right now who's going to win the title. You could argue Ohio State. You could probably or, uh, argue Georgia. You could still probably argue Alabama. I don't know if you want to argue anyone outside those three teams, but uh, it's it's wide open kind of right now for the title. And in college football, if it's only three teams, it, that that's kind of means wide open in the sport, judging by the past few yeah. years, you know? You know, it's interesting. I, I don't know. Is it really wide open for the title? Maybe not. But it's wide open for the playoff. Um, and I, and it's wide open for, I feel like anyone, I guess we haven't really seen Ohio State be tested. They've looked fantastic. And, you know, I just, I, do we know a whole lot about them? Maybe not. And maybe we're not going to. We know a lot. We know uh, enough about them offensively. They're good offensively. Yeah. We just, there, there's one big question that they need to answer and it's, can they, can they play really good defense? And I just, I don't know the answer to that right. yet. Yeah, no, we'll see. Um, I think any of the teams at at the top right now can get beat. But I, I could see if you're just looking at the the rankings, I could see Ohio State getting beat by Tennessee. I could see um, Clemson at five beating Georgia. I could see TCU at eight beating number three Tennessee. I mean, there's a lot of you know, there's a there's a lot of teams that do not look unbeatable at this yeah. moment. Whenever the last couple of years, we're kind of used to someone already looking like last year. Georgia looked, you know, unbeatable at this point, and they just they don't look like that. Alabama doesn't look like that. Maybe you could make that claim about Ohio State. Tennessee's an interesting case study because they're the number three team in the country. They just beat Alabama. They rolled into Death Valley and just hammered LSU. Like, they've looked really good up to this point. But does anyone feel like they can win the national championship? I don't know. Like, Joe Klatt says no. And he had an interesting point on Tennessee. He says, you know, that was a great win, and they've been a really fun, exciting team. But what Tennessee, like, what they are, like, we've seen this before. They are what we saw from 2017 OU and 2018 OU, where they might have the best offense in the sport or second best offensive uh, o- offense in the sport, but they don't play any defense and they're not they can't play the level of defense that's required to win a championship. I thought that was a very interesting take on Tennessee, a few days removed from their biggest win in over twenty years. But I, I think there's some valid parts to that. There is. I'm not. Um, I'm not ready to say i'm not ready to say they can't win a national championship do they have a much thinner margin for error absolutely yeah everyone would love to have a top five offense and a top five defense right it's just it's incredibly difficult for that to uh to happen and it rarely does um especially now with you know the more offense you play the better your offense does your your defense doesn't necessarily follow along because because of all the possessions and everything. I mean, I don't know. Um, Ohio State's looking pretty good offensively and defensively, but God, man, it's just their their schedule has been so bad. Yep. Right. I mean, we thought Michigan they, State might be a tough. T- Michigan State's not a good football team this year. 
Right, and I, they play Iowa this weekend. And Iowa's not a good football team this year. Iowa's defense, or excuse me, offense is so atrocious that the Ohio State's going to continue to falsely – I'm not saying they're not good defensively, but the numbers are not giving an actual picture as to what they really are. Yep. Like, they're going to probably hold Iowa to like seven points, maybe ten, maybe zero, right? And – that's fine and all, but so has everyone else. Yeah. Uh, if they played an offense like Tennessee, I, I don't think that that would be the same case. Now, I'm not saying they would lose that football game to Tennessee. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that you can't really – the numbers just don't correlate back and forth between the two to try and figure out exactly where they are. Hey, uh, back to OU. I put this out on our Twitter page earlier today, the ref at KREF Sports. What are you doing if you're not following us there already? What's been the play of the year so far for OU football? And I did uh, had four candidates. Gavin Freeman's touchdown in the UTEP game. Scores a touchdown right. in his first career touch. That was awesome. Uh, option number two, Drake Stoops' shoeless touchdown that he scored against Kent State. Fantastic. Option three, Dylan Gabriel's 61-yard run in Lincoln, which I still think holds as the longest run of the entire season for OU. And then option number four, C.J. Colden's one-handed interception that we saw last week. And the reactions and the responses have been all over the board. I don't know if there's been one particular play that's one out over the others. I like the Drake Stoop shoeless touchdown. Because he shoeless no. in the picture that was there, uh, what say you? What are you going with? No, I, well, I love that play. I love all of those plays, but there's there's not a doubt in my mind what one it is. It's it's Dylan Gabriel's run against Nebraska, pivotal moment of that football game. Right, absolutely needed something to happen. Offense had stalled early. Nebraska went down and scored. We absolutely had to have an answer, and that was a third down play third and seven. that he took off and and turned it into a touchdown. Quieted that crowd. The, the roar before that play on that third down. It was loud, That man. stadium was loud. So, to me, it's, it's that one, and it ain't even close. Yeah, what happened with nine and a half minutes left in the first quarter. I, I, I get your point. I'm not going to hate on it at all. But it was nine and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Like we know how the game turned out, I feel like they would have been. Yeah. Feel like they still would have won the game even if they don't pick up that third down. But hey, they win the game against. Oh, you UTEP. don't think we would have beat Kent State? Well, yeah, that's what I'm about to, about to say. They beat UTEP if Gavin Freeman doesn't score there. They beat Kent State if Drake Stoops doesn't score. Do they beat Kansas without the one-handed interception? Yeah, probably, but like that's the one, I yeah. guess, that you could point out and say, uh, I wonder how different the game is if Colden doesn't come up with that play. Yeah, we. I think we may beat Kansas worse. I got no justification as to why. But, <laughs> I was um, wait, uh, waiting to hear the reasoning on that one. It just serves, serves the purpose for me a little bit better. Yeah, you know, um, that was a great one. The, the my problem with picking that one is is he's totally out of position. He's in no man's land. He makes an incredible play on the football and turns it over, which is great, but he's not where he's supposed to be. Yeah, which is fine. Hey, who cares? Uh, you're making plays and it's a, it, production all as well. So I would go with Dylan Gabriel, but. I don't have a problem with any of those. I love all those. The Drake Stoops play is awesome. Like I would even add, um, I thought Braden Willis's touchdown down the sideline where he was spinning and stayed in bounds was fantastic. Um, the touchdown pass that he had to Marcus Major was fantastic. Touchdown pass was was fantastic. Yeah. Now there's been some good and stuff maybe, offensively. And maybe he should get credit. Uh, he should get credit, and I think he did. If you say the Gavin Freeman play, that's great. But you also got to give a nod to Braden Willis on that play of the uh, blocking down the field that uh, that he had on that play to, to help Gavin Freeman score. you got to give a nod to Braden Willis on pretty much every play the offense has run this year. Yeah. Dude's been Cam uh, Sooner says the Gavin Freeman diving catch against Kansas came at a crucial a moment one. in the game. 
He's got a he's, a he's got one. a knack for the big play, doesn't he? I mean, he's the he numbers does. at two, but I mean, he's not like he's had a ton of touches this year. I don't think he's done. Oh, he ain't done. I think he'll have some other. Yeah, I think he'll have some other opportunities this year, and could do some uh, some more big things. Like, I'm surprised. Well, I guess I'm not surprised, but um, I. Th- I would have thought that he would have factored into the return game a little bit more up to this point, but um, that's not a problem. It's kind of gone quiet a little bit. It's been harder to have opportunities it for them, hasn't it? Yeah, ever since that Nebraska game, I'm like shorten average starting field position compared to the past two years and seeing how it stacks up. Like, dang, it felt like every possession against Nebraska, OU was starting around midfield or on the plus side. And then, you're right, man. I, I mean, I'm sure he's had a return since then, but he has not had the space like he had in Lincoln or the games before that. I've been waiting nope. on him to break and one and get a touchdown, but there's been, like, zero opportunities. Well, that's what happens whenever you show how dangerous you are. Uh, the other teams aren't dumb. Well, you know, maybe they are, but they're going to try as, as hard as they can to to take that asset away from you and – and try and take the impact away from it, and that's what they've done. Yeah. Just been hitting high balls to him, and not trying, not trying to just rip it all the way down the field to where he's got some space to make something happen. So, text air coverage solutions text line four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. I hope for this second half of our season, our D line takes that next step in the run, uh, especially Co and Redmond. Would like to see more Gilliam. Uh, like it or not. We play KSU 1, TCU 2, and KU 4, who are averaging at least 200 rushing yards per game. We held KU to 159, so it's a start. Yeah. Yeah. Are they last? Well, I think OU's last in rush defense right now in the conference. Uh, at least they were probably. going into last week. I think they are, though. Probably. Uh, pulling it up now. Uh, rushing defense. Oklahoma is last. Yep. By an incredibly large margin. <laughs> Great. <laughs> First is Iowa State at 105 yards a game. Yep. Ninth is Texas Tech at 146 yards a game. Tenth is Oklahoma at 207 Jeez. yards a game. 60. One yards a game difference between us in ninth place, not first place, ninth place. Right, we are a hundred and two yards away from Iowa State in first place. Jeez, it would be awesome story if Tennessee wins the title and Josh Heupel's second year, just like Stoops did here at, at OU. That that's an interesting question. I'll, I'm going to f- kind of phrase that in a different way. Who do you want to win the title in terms of? obviously the contenders that are out there, what would least impact OU, what would most impact OU in a negative way in terms of the contenders out there, like in the top eight, whatever, if they won a championship? Bama least impactful, maybe, because nothing no. really changes? No, no, no. You know who I want to win a championship? Who? UCLA. Well, that would be that would not impact it very much at all. So, go Bruins. Wouldn't impact it at all. And everyone should be happy about that. The person it would impact would be the the guy that shares the city, uh, I, Southern Cal. I did say top eight, and I think what are they rate number nine? Nine. I don't. Yeah, yeah. but they're good, man. Yeah, they. Yeah. I'm telling you, uh, they play top ten Oregon on the road, and I think they win that football game. And I it, it, I don't know as much about. I haven't seen Iowa, but I think they may win it convincingly. You haven't seen much of Oregon, is what you mean? Yeah. Iowa? Yeah. Oregon has dominated this series recently. I don't think that has to matter here. Bo Nix has done a really good job taking care of the ball since that Georgia game, apparently. But I, who have they played since that Since that game against Georgia? Um, have they even played Washington uh, yet? I don't know no. if they have. B- they beat BYU. They, had a, they yeah. played really well against BYU, but BYU – has fallen off a bit. No, you're right. They played a tight game against Washington State. Then they played Stanford and Arizona. And, 
yeah, they really haven't played a whole heck of a lot. Um, but Bo Nix has been UCLA. good. But Bo Nix, I mean, that's kind of been his story um, is when there's low-pressure situations, he'll be fine, he'll be good. But when the pressure's kicked up and the pressure's kicked up this, this weekend, that's when he's been an average to below-average quarterback. Yeah. Well, here's, here's what I've, I've witnessed. I've witnessed UCLA thump Washington. I witnessed uh, UCLA thump Utah and out-physical Utah. Um, and I think they've had a bye week since then. Uh, I guess Oregon maybe has as well. But like the schedule for UCLA has been definitely more difficult. Bo Nix has been good, but Dorian Thompson-Robinson's been better against better teams. Yeah. You know? Jeez. Charbonnet, I think, is a stud running back. He's, you know, he's one of the best running backs in the country. The Bobo wide receiver, the, the gigantic wide receiver that they've got that split out looks like uh, uh, Justin Herbert for the Chargers. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's fun to watch, man. They are a... They're a legit football team. Talk man. about someone that's kind of revived their uh, coaching. Chip Kelly was gone, man. Uh, it was already yeah. a, a, a discuss. Who's going to be the next head coach at UCLA? Because they're going to fire Chip Kelly at the end of the year, and maybe he doesn't even make it towards the end of the season. I, I, that ain't the case anymore, man. And I, I, I don't nope. necessarily trust Chip Kelly to build off the great year that they're having. I don't know if he's going to have a quarterback. We'll, we'll see what that looks like, but – they can't fire him at the end of this year. He's rolling right now, man. Yep, he's rolling. Um, I'm shocked that Oregon is such a big favorite in this game. I don't understand it, but I don't know. I'm I'm probably missing something. I said that I haven't seen Oregon play much, and I haven't. But man, I, that's a that's a shocker there. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. Stay tuned. Steady Layman, keep the interaction up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Let's roll through uh, some of these games on Saturday and go on record for uh, with what we think is going to happen. Uh, let's start off big noon game, Iowa at Ohio State inside the shoe. Ohio State's a 30-point favorite. I expect a beat down here. Uh, you agree? 30-point <sighs> favorite? My goodness. Yeah, it's going to be a beat down. Syrac- uh, I I don't think Iowa scores their maximum amount of, of possible points that they can score in that game is 10. Oh, yeah, I don't think they get there either. Unless it's like a yeah. pick six or something like that with, from C.J. Stroud or the backup quarterback late in the game when it's a 30-point game. But Buckeyes yeah, right. roll. Buckeyes roll. Uh, a battle of unbeatens, Clemson, South Carolina, 11 a.m., Clemson's a 14-point favorite, 14th-ranked Syracuse. Syracuse feels like fool's gold. I haven't watched a ton of them this year, but this feels like a spot where Clemson probably rolls on Saturday. Yeah. Syracuse, with their offense, has been um, pretty good. Not just like otherworldly. Defense has been pretty good. Not otherworldly i'll take clemson i think they've got the more talented football team uh dju has been better 17 touchdowns to two interceptions even though the uh the kid for syracuse has had a good year as well yeah give me um give me clemson comfortable 14 i don't know if they cover the 14 but i think they uh they clearly are the uh, superior football team. My lock of the week uh, goes against a team that's ranked inside the top eight and undefeated. I uh, I think LSU gets Ole Miss in Death Valley tomorrow. LSU's a one-point favorite in this game. Ole Miss runs the ball really well, but this is going to have to be a game where Jackson Dart plays well, and he's just been okay for Ole Miss at quarterback. Give me LSU. Probably a close one, but I think LSU wins. Yeah. You know what's interesting that LSU's been kind of, for whatever reason, left for dead, like they're not any good. And 
Well, losing that guess, Florida State game, the first game of the year, like yeah. that, didn't, that didn't help that up. Then you start coming around like, okay, maybe they're not that bad. Then they get blasted by Tennessee at home. Right. I don't know, man. I, uh, I, I think that's a great lock of the week for LSU to pull that one off. Yeah. I, it, it does feel like a little bit of fool's gold with Ole Miss. Now, the Kentucky win – was a good win. But outside of that, man, it's been it's kind of a lackluster schedule that they faced. Yeah. I uh I, I've let the point spread on this next game dictate my opinion for far too long because I've mm. gone back and forth all week on this game. Um man, uh, Oklahoma State's the better team. Oklahoma State's at home. Uh I don't trust Texas in a big spot like this. I think OSU's gonna win tomorrow. I think it's gonna be close probably by a field goal. But even though Texas is a six-point favorite, I'm not going to overthink this one. I'm going to take the better team at home. Spencer Sanders does play. Spencer Sanders does play, and OSU wins. Right, and that's obviously like the built-in caveat there, right? If for some reason Spencer Sanders, yeah, doesn't play in the football game, then Gunner well, then... Gundy plays, and they win by ten instead of three. So yeah, Woo! that'd be funny. JK be awesome. guys, JK. Uh, I think Oklahoma State wins the game too. I. I'm trying to look at it objectively with without my hatred of Texas seeping through. But I still feel like, you know, what you said, it's like it's fool's goals with Texas, man. They beat Oklahoma 49-0, but it's not a true indication of how good of a football team Texas is. Clearly, it's not. So I don't know how in the world they're a favorite. Vegas is way better at this than I am, but I don't know. I think the the first um, real adversity, like we talked about for Quinn Ewers, this is his first road game, true road game. That atmosphere at Oklahoma State and Stillwater is going to be pretty intense down there on the sideline. I, I don't give me Oklahoma State. Maybe I'm missing something. I'm going to go with another upset in the Big 12. Uh, I'm uh, I'm going to do it, man. Been wanting to do it all wow. week long. It's Friday. KSU. KSU 31-30 over uh, TCU. Quentin Johnston's mm. going to hit on some plays. Their wide receivers are too good, man. I, I mean, TCU's got the best collection of wide receivers in the conference. But K-State's going to limit them just enough. 9 a.m. is what they call Adrian Martinez. He's going to make enough plays to win. Yeah, give me K-State, dude. Close wow. one. Wow. Wow. You're not worried about a close game and Duggan just being able to throw it up to his guys to make plays? I'm worried about a lot of things tomorrow. Duggan completing a pass to beat Kansas State falls pretty far down the line and things I have to worry about tomorrow. But, yes, in terms of this game, sure. I mean, that's, that's a huge advantage, right? Instead of just throwing it away, you can throw up a jump ball. Our ball or nobody's ball. and. No harm, no foul. So tough, man. TCU, they've just got grit to them, and I know they just played an incredibly physical football team, um, or a football game, rather, and you know, maybe you feel like that they left it all out there on the field and could be ready for a letdown at home, but, dude, the atmosphere is going to be insane. I, I, everything's telling me to take Kansas State. I don't know why I'm going to stay with TCU, though, but I am. That TCU. weird that weird Gary Patterson statue, you just can't stop thinking about it. That's why you're going to take TCU. That's interesting. Maybe it's because of uh, the battle of the play-by-play voices clearly goes to Estridge. And that's the deciding factor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we didn't. We haven't got to hear, hear his call of Darius to the touchdown. We need to play that at some point. <laughs> and the, the great thing is they still got a Darius there, so I wonder if he did one this year, too, on that long touchdown run he had on that uh, jet sweep week before we played. Well, I'm, I'm sure he had a few great calls during the OU game, Teddy. He sure had the opportunity. <laughs> Max Duggan still running down the sidelines on that play. Yeah, not yep. t- tomorrow's. Uh, there's some good games in the Big Twelve. Oh, Baylor, Kansas. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Give you. me, um, give me Baylor to win that game. But I, I think that's. I think you got three. Why? I, th- I think you got three really good games in the conference tomorrow. Um, I 
I, think, I know we got three good games. You're you're only picking that game because you're so used to Kansas not being any good, and you correct. can't get past that. That's, yeah, hundred percent. And I still have like this built up respect for what I thought Baylor was going to be before the year. I didn't tell you going into the segment that any of my picks this weekend were going to make sense. That that was not that was not an agreement that took place here. So yes, everything that you say is true. I'll take Baylor uh. to win by three. Because I, I guess it's still KU at the end of the day to me. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take Kansas to win it. I think Baylor's defense is having trouble. They're still good on the interior. Um, you know, obviously right up the middle with Ika and Doyle, but on the perimeters they're not nearly as good as they've been with Petrie there. And I think Kansas attacks them with all of that intricate running game option stuff on the perimeter they're able to make enough plays to win the thing give me kansas on the road bowl eligibility baylor oh my gosh unbelievable what a story that would be hey what do we feel like if kansas goes down there and gets absolutely drummed by baylor by like five touchdowns well, I guess you're over. I guess you're over under for wins the rest of the year will drop from three and a half to two and a half now, won't it? Uh, oh, I uh, it also maybe ser- that's why I'm uh, I'm picking Kansas because like deep down I'm hoping that they perform really good to where we look back and say, yeah, see that was yeah, a legit maybe win. Maybe so. Hey, we'll we'll talk more about Iowa State next week. I know today's all about the games that are actually being played on Saturday, but. Uh, I think you should feel nervous about every game left on the schedule, but yes. I, this Iowa State game's giving me the giving me the nerves. The more and more I think about yeah. it, you know, I just a absolutely interesting spot for both teams, especially Iowa State, I, who's been so close to a win. Feel the exact same way. Um, their defense doesn't scare me, but you know, it's it's one of those things like. If we get our running game going, I mean, that's the number one run defense in the conference. Uh, just over 100 yards a game they're giving up. And, you know, this is that's going to be the deciding factor. If we can have success running the football on them, forget about it. We win the game, and we win the game going away. But here's the thing. No one's been able to do that on them so far. So, you know, that's... That's the thing that, that really uh, really worries you. You know, Kansas State went up there, and Kansas State I don't think was, like, playing their, their best ball at the time. But they were able to get out of there with the win, but they couldn't run the football on them at all. Yeah. Is OU a dog no. when the line's released on Sunday? Well, didn't you say they already were? Yeah, I, and I don't know, like, what uh, betting service that was, but it was kind of like the right. look-ahead lines, and they were a three-point underdog. I think – it, I think it might be a pick em. like by, by the time kickoff rolls around. Yeah. But I could see Iowa State opening as like a two-point favorite. I, I think Oklahoma will be a favorite. Ooh, okay. I think Oklahoma will be a favorite. Could be wrong on that. We'll see. All right. We're late for a timeout. Quick break. More from the rush coming up. Got a couple of segments left on a Friday here from Riverwind Casino. Stay tuned. Football Friday on the Rush, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. I saw a uh, list today, by the way, that had the 12 smartest coaching hires of the past dozen years. The 12 smartest coaching hires of the past dozen years. Uh, Mark Stoops to Kentucky was seven. I was about to say, I I think I can guess all of these. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, let's see. Uh, Mark Stoops. Nice. Uh, Lincoln Riley. No, no, he wasn't on there. Um, uh, Fickle. Yeah, he was number one. Um, Kiffin. No, this is more like guys that weren't the obvious choice. Right. But they thought outside the box. Like, smartest is what they're going for here. So, like, Fickle was one. James Franklin to Vanderbilt was number two. Okay, all right, whatever. Oh, yeah, you got to go way back for that. Uh, at least that gave Aranda. Vanderbilt a pulse, I guess. Uh, well, Aranda was on there, but also with Rule at Baylor. They were on the list, yeah. David Shaw at Stanford was number three. 
Um, the, the point, really, with this is that Josh Heupel was at number four on the list. And yeah. I, I thought about him and kind of where he's at in his coaching career, and I thought, all right, is – is he going to be a long-term guy at Tennessee, or could we see him have some success and jump somewhere else? And the more I thought about it, I feel like Tennessee's a job that can pay extremely well. When it's going there, it can really go at a high level. I, 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 my guess would be that Josh Heupel is there for a long time and doesn't hop to another job. That's just a guess from me. Tennessee is not a it, – it is a – destination job he ain't going nowhere I don't think so if he either. continues to have like he's not making that decision like the only way he would make that decision is if like it's in a tier where like the only ones better are your blue bloods right yeah no i it's not a top five or top eight job but it's still a destination job i think that's right um George, it might be a top eight job george is better i mean Florida's better. Is it a top eight? Let, let's let, let me ask you this: Is it a top eight job if they make the college football playoff this year? No, I don't think. I don't because think yet. I don't the, think the yet. reason it's not is because it's been such a long time since they've had success. But like that is a place to where when the success comes, like everything else that makes another job great, they're gonna he's gonna have access to. Yeah, no, he'll have access to the entire Southeast, and they're not that far from Atlanta. But the state of Tennessee just historically doesn't have as much talent as you would think. And, and like, let's let's think about their own conference, right? Um, again, yeah. Florida's a better job, Georgia's a better job, Alabama's a better job, and then you've got some maybes in there. Is LSU a better job? Maybe. A lot of really good talent mm. in the state of Louisiana. Um, is Oklahoma a better job? I think Oklahoma probably is a better job. Those are five easy, just off the top of my head. Ohio State's a better job. There's six. Is Clemson a better job? It is right now. That's seven. I don't know if it's top eight. It's close are, to top ten. Are but. you Are you sure that Florida's a better job? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, if you want to talk right about now. if you want to talk about reaping the benefits when it gets going, and that's what you're talking about with Tennessee. Yeah, it's. A little bit better in Gainesville, Florida, when they get it going. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe Knoxville is – I mean, it's it's not that far from uh, Atlanta, though, is it? Well, that's what I just told you. No, it's not that far from Atlanta. Yeah. I don't know. You may be right. I think we're probably about in the same neighborhood, save for maybe a job or two, you know? But the point is, like, you know, there I, I don't think he's he going, going anywhere. Nowhere. Yeah, and and there were some uh, responses on Twitter after they won that game of, oh, would, would Josh ever come back to, to OU? Would Josh ever do that? I, I don't think he's going to have that opportunity because I, I think this Venables hire is going to work out, and we know the situation that exists there. I don't think Heupel's ever coming back to OU. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can set sail no, on that yeah. wish. Yeah. And here's the thing. I love Heupel, um, and I hope he wins a national championship at Tennessee this year. But I, I don't, I don't want him to come back. I don't think the fans because would I, either. Well, I just, and it's it's not about him. I think he's excellent. I think he's done a fantastic job, and I think he would do a fantastic job. But I don't want to be in that position, uh, like it, like how the it was whenever he was the offensive coordinator all over again. Like I want to be able to feel really good about celebrating what he did as a player here, and I don't ever want it to be something where that gets forgotten. You know? Yeah. Like. Yep. I, I, I want I want him to have his success at Tennessee or wherever he ends up if he goes somewhere else after that. Like, it's kind of like the Nebraska and, and Scott Frost situation, man. You know, you want to be able to – be hard for him to go back s- up there again. It stinks. Yeah, you you want to be able to celebrate those guys. So, I don't know. That's where I'm at with it. 
what was but, the uh, what, what's the best example of a former player going to his alma mater and winning at a high level? Steve Spurrier won a Heisman at Florida, yeah. right, and had a ton of success there. I think the the field's named after him there now. Um, there's probably some obvious ones that we're totally skipping over, but Steve Spurrier's a pretty good place to start with that. Uh, I guess. I mean, it hadn't been to that level, but Harbaugh at Michigan, he's made a college football playoff. Um, it's a good question. There's not a bunch of national I, championship winning coaches that I thought the list would be a lot longer when it. I initially asked the question. I'm like, Spurrier, Harbaugh, and then I'm going to feel really Saban dumb. never won a – he never won a championship at Navy. Didn't he play at Navy? Kent State, I believe, is where he or was that oh, his first job. I thought it was Kent State. I think that may have been his first job. Yeah, one or the other. Mike, Maybe Gun- it was Mike Gundy, State. there's an obvious one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, 50 miles away, and we didn't get it. Kirby Smart's a good one. He played at Georgia. Yeah. Um, man, it, it's so difficult. <laughs> I'm trying to think of – it's got to be rare national championships at places you played as a coach. I'm not going to cheat and Google it. Well, Scott Frost didn't get it done. I'm trying to think of uh, someone else at Nebraska that did it. No. Bear Bryant. Where did the Bear play? Did Bear play at Kentucky or did he play at Bama? Did he play at either one of those? I don't know. I don't think so. Bear Bryant played at Alabama. Think so. Thank you, text line. He played at Alabama? Yeah. Okay. There you go. So there's some good instances instances of that. But this one says, as an OU fan, I wouldn't want Heupel as a head coach. I don't think he'd fit at OU as a head coach. And whether that's true or not, that may not be true. But I, I feel like that would be the instant thought for most of the fan base is, you know. Yeah. I think he'd – I mean, he'd fit just fine. But, you know, it's – I guess he – I don't know. What does that mean, uh, fit? I don't even know what that means as far as, like, his offense is – you'd welcome that, one of the best offenses in the country right now. Matter of fact, are they number one? Um, them or Ohio State, and that would fit. But I don't know. He, he's got a he's got a little bit different personality. I don't know. I I just, good. He had the cigar in his mouth, though. At Tennessee. It was nice. It was That's fun right. of him to see uh, him let loose and have the cigar in his mouth. Man, this is college football at its best, man. Good for him. That's right. It is. All right, quick timeout. we got the final segment coming up next. Stay tuned.